Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Support WrestleTalk. Give us a subscribe. Hey, everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. And this is Rich Swan. Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever WrestleTalk is, and whoever Luke Owen is. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I am Luke Owen and I'm joined by El Fregador Laurie Blake. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. How's it going? Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. Very Not well. Soon. How are you? Good, mate. Yeah, very, very well. Thank you very much. Um, we will dive into the magazine show itself because we've got a bit of a stacked episode today to steal uh, a term from Pete Quinnell. Because not only are we talking about this potential AEW and Ring of Honor partnership, we have also got the AEW and NXT ratings breakdowns and an interview with Brandon from WrestleNomics talking about the WWE Q1 report and his thoughts on that. And then diving into your mailbag question. It's a stacked show, and here it is. Let's talk about this AEW versus ROH potential because Marty Skrull was on Ring of Honor's podcast this week. So this is the official Ring of Honor podcast where he was asked about a potential working relationship between Ring of Honor and AEW. Now, Marty Skrull declined to join AEW back in December last year. The uh, the report is he was originally going to be revealed as the leader of the Dark Order uh, on that uh, December eighteenth show, I think it was, or so like it was like a late December show. It was like the last one, last live show they had of the year, and he decided to stay with Ring of Honor instead and become almost like the the head guy he was sort of like head of creative and sort of like now effectively running the joint and since then has been doing some work to rebuild the relationship between ring of honor and new japan and and things like that and it has come up every now and again this potential of ring of honor and aew working together this is what he had to say yeah i don't see why not it would have to be a matter of timing and a matter of just where it would benefit both companies but like i said i have an amazing relationship with the young bucks especially i talk to them on a regular basis i have a pretty good relationship with tony khan and i think both parties are definitely willing to work with each other 
it's just a matter of timing, I guess, like when it would be suitable to do so. So it's definitely something I wouldn't rule out for sure. I'm not saying anything will happen. I'm just saying I wouldn't rule it out. There's no reason why we wouldn't. The timing needs to be correct. It needs to be a fitting situation for us to work together. I'd personally like to see it happen at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just think it's, I think I don't see how it hurts either company to work together. I, th I think WWE's age-old idea of wanting to be the only one, like Highlander, uh, hasn't necessarily <laughs> been, you know, it hasn't bred great wrestling elsewhere. It's bred, they have good wrestling and everyone else doesn't. And it, and it pushes WWE to be lazy. And I think, one, having competition is very good in terms of wrestling, but then also lifting raising people up and raising the profile of people from elsewhere and working together and sharing rosters means that you can keep having your roster be fresh and keep having your tv program be fresh without having to spend big money on contracts elsewhere and that's you know that's the thing is like AEW for all the benefits they're offering people they've got to entice them in with a contract they've got to entice them in with a load of benefits uh, and then put them on the TV program. But like this way, at least if you're working with Ring of Honor, you could probably just take their guys. Ring of Honor are paying them. And it's a, you know, probably a quid pro quo. Quid pro <laughs> Yes, whoa. squid pro row. Uh, squid, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's one of those kind of things. But like, I mean, it's, it's probably just a direct trade, isn't it? You could just go, well, you can have Cody for a week and we'll have uh, Marty. And then yeah. you get, and then you get to this point where you know you, you can just easily freshen up your TV program and your show for people without necessarily having to splash the cash and try to get exclusive contracts with people. I think it's a great idea. Um, yeah, and it, Ollie and I have talked previously about the idea that you could almost use Ring of Honor as a place to develop some of these this, the the younger talent that they've got on board that they can't dedicate all the TV time to. I'm thinking people like Private Party, you know, who have they have spent TV time trying to get over and trying to create stars out of mm -hmm. them. But there's only so much TV time. And with AEW not having a house show loop where you can sort of develop these people and get them in front of crowds you have to rely on that TV time. Or you could send them to Ring of Honor for a couple of months and just mm -hmm. have them work the ROH house show loops. It benefits ROH because they're getting some AEW talent who are on TV or have been on TV to try and draw some uh, interest back into those and try and build back up their crowd attendance that unfortunately they have lost mm -hmm. since the Bucks and Cody uh, et al left. Well, they've lost so all of it since COVID-19, but, you know. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as has everyone. As has yeah. everyone. But, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I, I think for, I think it, I, I would say in most of these situations, it's a better deal for Ring of Honor than it is for other people because I think they're in the trickier situation of needing to regrow and rebuild. And, you know, they're probably quite desperate to get their hands on people that they used to have who were their big draws. They were their big ticket sellers. Um so yeah, I think it's definitely a it's a good thing for Ring of Honor, but I I would also make the argument that it's good, it's it is good for AEW. Like I said, you can send people down there and they can do a house show loop. And I also think you know this idea that I don't think AEW and Ring of Honor are in competition in the no. same way. And in the same way, I don't necessarily think AEW and NXT are in competition. I don't I don't think the shows are comparable. That like one is WWE's developmental brand and one is the top brand of its brand. You know. Mm -hmm. um, AEW's realistically trying to compete with Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. I think like D Dynamite, that's really where it sits in, in the world of wrestling. Um, and obviously, 
it doesn't pull the, the figures that SmackDown and Raw pull, but they have uh, years and years and years on AEW uh, to rely on. Um, but yeah, I think AEW sits somewhere in that sort of middle bit. So it is it is the top product for wrestling that isn't WWE. So I don't think they have anything to worry about from Ring of Honor or having a deal with Ring of Honor or having deals with New Japan, having any of these things. And like, you know, probably having the Ring of Honor deal for AEW is going to open the doors with New Japan, which is, you know, something that I'm, I'm sure Kenny Omega wants specifically. Yeah. yeah. And, and he said as much, and Jericho has said that he would like to as well. And, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the forbidden door, as it were. Um, and not only that, but it's also then expands out because Ring of Honor have got uh, relationships over here in the UK with Rev Pro. So that then opens up the door for AEW to also have relationships with some of these UK companies like Rev Pro, like WrestleGate, like NG Dub, and just, you know, and... And, and sort of like start to expand out to a UK base, which is something that Tony Khan has said that he has got big plans for. You know, he's the sort of three areas they're looking for initially are the US, Canada, and the UK. Tony Khan being, you know, of, of, of British descent. So he is British, actually, isn't he? The family certainly no, no. is. Probably. I don't know. Probably. I think they just don't they own Fulham. And that, they own Fulham, so therefore. Yeah, that, probably british um i don't know uh but yeah so um, people will tell us in the comments and then call us idiots for not knowing but um <laughs> so but i just think that it really really does benefit both parties like you say ring of honor potentially more but AEW because they can get some of these guys that they they can't get at the moment like joe hendry i'm thinking like shane taylor um mm. like dalton castle um you know a really good like matt Taven's is another name in there and it's also you could then potentially build to a supercard show, you know, which is something that I'd imagine Cody would be very interested in because that's what his dad would often mm. sort of book is those sort of like fantasy supercard things of doing a say for all out three. It's not just all out three, it's all out AEW versus Ring of Honor. And all it's out just of honor. all out. There you go perfect yeah. all out of honor and it's just it's dream matches between those so you could then have uh the young bucks versus whoever or you know and and you, and you just essentially build up these matches you could have roh champion versus aew champion and yeah build a super card show and i think that would be really really cool the the other side of this which i think is very much this is coming from our very much wrestling bubble mm -hmm. is that a relationship between Ring of Honor and AEW is cool to us as wrestling fans who know both companies. But to a wider context, do people really give an S? Like, do you know the sort of the white that like you're you're Joe Joe Blow WWE fan who just knows WWE? Do they care that AEW and Ring of Honor are going to do a supercard show? No, and I think that's I, I, yeah. Do you know what? Like, I w I also probably wouldn't even call it a supercard. I wouldn't. I wouldn't pitch it as that i just don't think like uh it would work but I, I would you know you would i would build it around the names on it and book one really big match and build the whole show around that match and call it something you know give it a name like worlds collide but don't spend time entertaining the notion that uh having to explain that yeah it's actually it's AEW versus ring of honor just let both promotions promote it their own way um as a shared show, but yeah, I, I just, I, I, yeah, I don't think you're, you're not going to entice anyone from WWE who's already made up their mind that they don't like AEW with uh, the addition of Ring of Honor because, do you know what? Like, 
groups aside from Marty, AEW already has all the big indie guys uh, who, mm. who you know who were the the ones that everyone rallied to when they were like, we need to take down WWE, we need to do this, that, and the other. AEW is already the safe harbor for people who've just left WWE, like your Matt Hardys, your Brody Lees, uh, potentially your Zack Riders. You know, it's. I think unless people are going to follow one specific person from WWE to there, I, I think we've had like the kind of the cap of people for the for the minute who are actually going to make the transition. And I don't think a, a supercard show with Ring of Honor is really going to sway people. Well, let's dive into the ratings for this week's AEW and NXT. Uh, it was a, another win for AEW, but not a massive one. It was 693,000 viewers for AEW Dynamite, which is down 5% from last week. Good news was the 18 to 49 demo was up 8% from the previous week, which is the best number in the category since March. Um, and NXT, um, well, it it drew six hundred and thirty seven thousand views, thousand uh, viewers. So down uh, in terms of AEW, but also down four point two percent. It's the lowest number for NXT since April first, and it fell out of the uh, top fifty shows uh, for the terms of the demo ratings of the eighteen to forty nine with a point one six, which is down eleven percent from last week. However. You've got to imagine that both shows are going to be looking to get good numbers next week because AEW is going live and they've announced some big matches on there. Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy versus Jericho and Sammy Guevara being just one of those matches. Um, and NXT have got a big show themselves. They're effectively mm. doing another little mini takeover because you've got uh, Cole versus Velveteen Dream for the title and Charlotte Flair versus Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship. Oh, yeah. Give me yeah. that directly to <laughs> my veins. Uh, yeah, I, th I think it's just, it's just, they're just hard to watch, aren't they? Wrestling shows <laughs> without crowds. They're just, uh, they, they just are quite difficult to get into on that same level. Like you just, you, I, I don't think anyone ever really clocked how much call and response there was in wrestling um, to that degree of like, it's, it's, it is a very tough watch to just be like, get into it on that same level when people are just sort of, walking around the ring and you can hear every single like filler insult that they've written for you. They've said the same. Each other. Come on then. Is that all you've got? Uh, yeah. It, it's a shame because I, I thought NXT this week was really good. Uh, I don't know what I, I don't know what AEW was like. I haven't watched it, but um, I'm sure it was fine. It was good. really good. Actually. I'm, sure Very good to, I'm sure it was fine to good. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it, it is a shame because I think both companies are in certain scenarios, definitely like trying their hardest uh, in the places where they, in WWE's case, in the place where they traditionally tried quite hard, uh, NXT, yeah. not Raw or SmackDown. But yeah, I, I think people are doing their best and it's a shame that uh, people with viewers who have more time have sort of abandoned it for now. And I guess we'll go back once, it, once we all go back to normal. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. 
like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We often uh, get a lot of feedback on this show about ratings and whether or not they really matter you know, to us as wrestling fans. So I posed the question to Brandon from WrestleNomics uh, to how important ratings are to WWE and therefore to their investors. So we're going to cut to that interview right now. We're also going to have a chat with him about his thoughts on the quarterly, uh, the, the Q1 report that came out, his sort of big takeaway. And Vince McMahon's comment that Brock Lesnar is needed for WWE to draw ratings and their sort of like uh, inability to create new stars. And interestingly, from this, his take on investors' knowledge of wrestling and if they see through Vince McMahon's nonsense or not. So it's a really, really great interview. Here it is. Is. They're they're important. They are. It's a subject that comes up, and I would say most calls. It came up on Thursday. It, you have to look at it on a balance. And I think it's, it's sort of we're looking at it on a, on a slanted media landscape where it's sort of accepted that yes, everything is sort of in decline. And uh, when WWE uh, puts out its report, they put out this other document every quarter called the Key Performance Indicators, and they show a slide where they say here's the, the raw ratings year over year compared to last year and this year. And we put it, we place it alongside the USA Network, and you place that alongside the top 25, and they do something similar now for, for SmackDown, where that's placed alongside Fox, and it's placed alongside the top four broadcast networks in the U.S. And generally, what you see is that, uh, you know, Raw, for example, is is declining quite a bit, but it's not declining quite as bad as the U.S. Network, but it's but it's uh, the top 25 cable is holding up stronger than than Raw is. Um, you know, I think viewership is going to decline year over year for a long time, especially in this environment where WWE doesn't seem to be able to create any really powerful new stars that really, you know, tick up their business. 
But I think as, as long as WWE programming ranks highly among other programs, you know, we're in this environment where kind of everything, especially scripted programming is, is declining. Live sports holding up better. I think W is kind of a hybrid of both. Uh, you know, everything's sort of in decline in general. And W is in decline, but it's still ranking highly. You know, if you go to showbuzzdaily.com, you can see the ratings that come out, you know, about a day after. And W Raw, for example, is still among the other cable programs on the same night, is still ranking, you know, number one, number two, number three in terms of each 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 of the three hours of Raw. It's still ranking highly in the uh, the, the 18 to 49 demographic, which is the demographic that advertisers really care about. Um, like financially, I think the, the networks, so USA Network broadcasting Raw and Fox broadcasting SmackDown, I think these networks are, they're not making as much ad revenue as they're spending for the rights to air those programs. Um, but, I, but I think it helps them in terms of it helps them rank more highly, kind of helps the prestige of the network. And it's not the, 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 the revenues that, that a TV network makes is not just from the ad sales, but also from the carriage fees that for, for the cable and satellite providers that pay to carry USA Network and even to carry Fox, even though it's over the, over the air, they're still paying to carry Fox uh, on their, you know, as a channel on their service. So, so they're still making, I would, I would say in, in a sense, like they're not very even on the ad revenue, but uh, as, as one of the prestigious programs that they have on their, their channel, that justifies the carriage fees that, that the providers are paying. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's probably worth it to the networks. And, you know, W talks a lot about its, uh, its digital metrics and they're doing really well on YouTube. They're a really popular YouTube channel. I think more and more young people are watching, you know, through those means. But on the other hand, that's not driving nearly as much revenue. Uh, I think the, the investment firm um, or the analyst firm uh, Needham estimated $20 million in YouTube revenue for 2019 for WWE, and you compare that to just, just say their raw deal is $265 million average annual value. It's a, it's a small, small fraction. Yeah, well, W exceeded the, the, the profit guides that it had given before. W, so when we talk about profit, I didn't realize this when I first started to try to learn about this stuff, is that profit is, is not a single metric like revenue is. Um, profit comes in all different kinds of metrics depending on when you want to measure it in the process. So their favorite metric of profit is something called adjusted OEBDA. Um, we don't need to get into what the hell that is, but um, they, they like adjusted OEBDA, and sometimes people talk, talk about net income and operating income. But anyway, they gave an adjusted OEBDA estimate in, in February before COVID-19 you know, was, was known to be such a threat to, to everybody's business here. Uh, they gave an adjusted OEBDA estimate of 60 to $65 million. Um, when they started to have realize they had to do empty arena shows, they put out a press release saying we withdraw that guidance. You know, they, they didn't give any new guidance. They just said, you know, things are uncertain now. We withdraw that guidance. They had also given a, a full year projection, withdrew that as well. So 60 to $65 million and they withdrew that. And uh, so come uh, the, the quarterly report on Thursday, it turns out they made $77 million in adjusted leave. So they exceeded the earlier guidance that they had given and withdrawn. Um, they also exceeded the analysts as estimates. So if you can go on, on some finance websites, including uh, Seeking Alpha, you can see a uh, what they call a consensus analyst estimate. And the, uh, the consensus, consensus analyst estimate on revenue uh, was I think about $264 million. They ended up reporting $291 million. So they exceeded their revenue that, that the analysts who it's kind of their job to, I'm sure each analyst covers a number of companies, but it's one of the companies that they cover in WWE and it's their job to 
give estimates and to understand their business. You know, w exceeded their expectations. Uh, they exceeded the earnings per share ratio, which is determined, which is factored by the uh, the net income. So it's a profit metric. They they exceeded that as well. So they they were more profitable even by a few million dollars than the analysts had expected. So that's largely due to I think uh, because running TV now is way cheaper because you don't have to do it in the performance center. You don't have to load up mm -hmm. a venue and, and rent out a venue for the day, which is very expensive relative to just running in the performance center, which you're already paying for, you know, monthly anyway or whatever. Uh, so there's, there's that TV is way cheaper to run and uh, they're not, they didn't have to run as many live events, which their live events division, they have three major divisions, which are media live events and consumer products and their live events division. Uh, in the last year and a half or so, it, 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 the exception of the quarter that contains WrestleMania, because WrestleMania is very profitable for them, of course, uh, but with the exception of, the, of WrestleMania quarters, the live event division is not profitable. Uh, on the whole, W is not not profitable on their, their live events. Uh, they did make a profit just barely in, in 2019 on the division, if you include the, the WrestleMania quarter, but I think, I think this is largely driven by house shows that are not profitable, that are really tanking the division. Um, so they had to cancel 18 events in, in Q1 between January and March, but that, that's largely just the second half of March. So because they, they got to cancel those events, they, they probably would have drained the, the live events division anyway, which made it reported, I think, a negative operating income of $3.2 million. So they might have been down even, even further if they had had a normal March. Uh, so no live, you know, fewer live events that they had to run at a loss and much cheaper TV ended up... Uh, Allowing them to be even more profitable than they expected, which is uh, is is odd considering the cost cutting that they uh, announced that they were going to do and did on on April fifteenth, where they cut a number of employees and furloughed people and, and cut some like thirty wrestlers. One of the lines that really stuck out to me from this from this quarter's report was uh, it was the line about Brock Lesnar, I think, where he said that uh, like TV ratings are down yeah. at the moment because Brock Lesnar is not champion. Um, so where do you, where do you where do you stand on that? Well, I, he, I think that came from a question where he was being asked about viewership or he was commenting on viewership. He said that viewership, you know, he had said that SmackDown was holding up. The rating that they did on Friday, it, it did its lowest ever rating uh, on Fox. But anyway, his, his explanation was that SmackDown was holding up fine. It may have been holding up better uh, in March, uh, but but Raw was becoming, you know, harder. And he said that that was because they have a lot of new talent that they have to work on getting over. And uh, they don't have Brock Lesnar now, and I, which I don't think it means that Brock Lesnar is done for good, but that he's, you know, he's on his ankles until he comes back and F5 someone. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we, we've got a new champion now who, who, who didn't get, get to have a name. Drew McIntyre didn't, didn't get to have a name on the conference call. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I think that, that that's kind of a theme that they've been leaning on for a while now. So we were talking about a little bit, uh, a little, little bit earlier is that in Q1 of 2019, Vince was sort of explaining away the decline in metrics that they just had a lot of new talent that they had to get over. There were a lot of people who were injured. Barrios, in, in one of his last conference call conference appearances at these tech and media conferences that he that he did often, uh, he explained that there was just this generational change that we had to go through in terms of you know, the John Cena's maybe sort of moving away, and we're trying to get the the, the Roman Reigns generation over here. And uh, you know, I just I just think it's a uh, it's 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 a you're relying on people, and most people who are listening aren't people who are very familiar with, with the wrestling product, with the W product. And I think there's there's just a lack of understanding. I think I think the the, the investor community and the uh, the media business community that pays attention to to W they have a, a great deal of understanding about uh, all these external aspects of the business. They understand, you know, the 
they understand you know businesses like Netflix and they understand how, how streaming works and how subscribers work. They have a great understanding of you know they probably have MBAs and stuff. But I don't think that they necessarily understand the product in, in that you know wrestling for its entire history has had its peaks and valleys based on when it had big stars and when it didn't. And um, you know, WWE ha has been trying to, or at least hasn't been able to replace John Cena uh, since he started to fade out as a regular, uh, as far as being a full-timer since about 2015 was, was the last year that he really did a full schedule. And, and the further we get in, in, in time, you know, the more distance we get from that, that time when he was a full-timer and he was a he was W's top star, the more that we see uh, all these metrics fall one by one. And I think we're going to continue to see popularity decline gradually, slightly over the years until, I think until Vince McMahon is not, no longer the head of creative for WB, which paradoxically kind of, you know, I, I think Vince McMahon could be the CEO conceivably, this will never happen, but plausibly he could be the CEO and not be the head of creative and let someone like Paul Levesque or Paul Heyman or whoever be the head of the creative. Um, but I think the, 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 the stock market and the, the investors and the analysts have a, a kind of a limited enough understanding to really believe that, you know, this has to be in control of this company. And if, if Vince were to die, the, um, the, the stock would, would plummet quite a bit, at least in the short term, because people really believe that, you know, Vince is the founder and Vince is, is, has been in charge of this since 1982. And that would lead to a great deal of uncertainty, uh, you know, if, if he were to pass away or become incapacitated. So... It, it's so the it's not as if the investment community is like eager to push push this idea that Vince should step aside in terms of at least the creative aspect because there's much distinction for the general investment community as far as maybe he should step aside at least in my opinion in, in terms of being the head of creative but sure still be in charge of the company and still make you know still make big decisions to be the CEO still be involved in, in in media partnerships and things like that but it's not something that necessarily the investment community understands. That's actually a really interesting point because this has been brought up a lot in our, like the feedback that we've had whenever we talk about the investors' calls and the, and the quarterly financials. I, you know, in the comments do say is like, can investors not so like not see through like some of the tactics that he's done? We we spoke about earlier about you know you bring Heyman and Bischoff in because you're you've got some metrics down in, in one quarter and then they don't quite bounce back, so you get rid of bishop to be like oh well you know we've now got rid of this problem who wasn't really fixing this thing so like do investors not see through the things that they say and they, and they, they are just quite happy to sort of follow this cult of mcmahon and be like well as long as he's there things will bounce back and they'll be fine yeah well i think again they, they see him as the founder he's the he's the person who uh you know makes this thing work and he's the person who had dominated the industry for at least the last 20 years um I think the 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 analysts who are largely the ones who are responsible for determining what the, what the what the stock price is, um, they're not necessarily people who follow the product. Um, I think some of them watch it sometimes. I think there may be even a couple who are regular viewers, but on on the whole, generally, I think most of them don't watch the party at all. They're not necessarily wrestling people. Again, WWE is one company among maybe you know five or ten or twelve or I don't know how many that they that they cover. You know, and they they tend to be media analysts who cover a lot of other companies like Netflix or Disney and, and you know Amazon or whatever. So it's not as if it's their sole their sole focus all day is, is covering and understanding WWE. Um, and maybe in a, in a year or two they won't even be covering this company or beyond other things. Um, so I don't think it's a great understanding of, of like the wrestling business and, and 
and and and the idea that what's the quality of the product? I don't think there's any frame of reference there. I think there's any frame of reference. There's a little bit of discussion sometimes around star development and how long does it take to 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 build one of these stars? But they think they kind of accept the answer. And and on the other hand, their main concern is trying to understand what what is this company worth? What what's this company going to generate in terms of revenue and in terms of profit metrics? Um, I think there there is a little bit of an incentive for them to ask sort of pushy questions that sort of raise, raise some questions that may motivate the executives to make better decisions and to make make decisions that are more in the investors' interests. So they're kind of representing investors' interests, but definitely what they're not. And this is something that got me very frustrated when I first started to listen to these things. It's like it's it sounds like a press conference, right? But it's not a press conference. It's an <laughs> investors' conference. And I kind of was like. Ugh. Why are they asking the tough questions? They're, they're not necessarily <laughs> there to uh, to grill them around like, you know, you know, why did you lay off all these people when you're obviously profitable? You know, that's not, to, it's not necessarily in the investor's interest to, you know, it's, it's, it's in the investor's interest for this company to be as profitable as possible. So, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, in in their interest to to ask about, you know, why do you lay off all these people when you obviously didn't need to, at least financially didn't need to lay all these people off. But, you know, that's not their job. Okay, so um, we've, we kind of talked about this quarter. Uh, we talked a bit uh, briefly about WrestleMania featuring into the next one. But uh, what are your predictions for, for the next quarterly reports? Well, it's it's going to be a more complicated report than that. The, the losses related to WrestleMania not happening in Tampa Bay will be there. Um, I think that you will still be profitable in Q2. They basically said as much. Uh, uh, Frank Riddick, who's the interim CEO, CFO, uh, in place of Barrios for now, he uh, he said that based on the cost cutting that they've done, they should still be profitable, even though they lost out on all the money they would have made from a normal WrestleMania. Um, I think we'll see W Network subscribers continue to be down slightly, but I think we'll see you know TV rights will still be there. Um, there's some question in the further future about whether or not they're going to be able to do another Saudi event. Uh, they made it clear on Thursday that uh, Vince had said, even if they can't do a Saudi event before the end of the year, they'll tack it on to the end of this year. So maybe they'll do, you know, they do two a year, maybe they'll do three in one year, or maybe they'll, this becomes, instead of a 10-year deal, a 10-and-a-half-year deal. So eventually that that money will go to WWE. Um, yeah, I think it will continue to be a profitable company. We probably won't see normal live events, I would guess, through, through the end of June, which is what when that period ends. So we'll continue to see live events off the board and we'll continue to see if any merchandise off the board but again not running live events uh helps the profitability of, of we at least not running house shows does um and I, I don't think the venue merch sales that they lose makes up for the money that is lost on the whole in live events again again though wrestlemania being there would have made that division profitable um but it, it they, they're going to avoid losing someone on house shows in q2 by not running house shows. At the same time, the, they'll get large TV rights fees and TV will be more profitable per episode because it's going to be so much cheaper to continue running it out of the performance.
If you want to submit a question to the mailbag, all you've got to do is become one of our awesome pledge hammers on Patreon at any dollar amount and leave a comment in the community tab. Do not email me. I will just lose it. Not very good at my job. This first one comes in from the Zornis uh, with a question about our, our old Patreon. Sorry, our old Patreon, our old podcast gimmick. Uh, I miss the old days when you gave people advice on uh, for whose love life was in trouble when we had poems and get betters. Better since I listened to that, I know both of you uh, a great deal on writing and storytelling. Please excuse my overly long sentences. German habit. Uh, yeah, we uh, we stopped doing the, the agony arts uh, gimmick on the podcast because it started off to be like, we would just give you bad advice. Um, you would send in a, a, a query about your love life and we would just give some fairly bad advice on that. And then people start sending in genuine issues and we didn't really know how to handle that. So we just started to advise them to do other things, so, you know, pa pass them on to actual professionals. Mm -hmm. So um, maybe at some point we could bring it back. Um, but his question is, um, what is an anti-hero? You had a self-proclaimed anti-hero on No Rolls Bard, and yesterday Ollie mentioned an anti-hero, so I'm curious as to what an anti-hero is. Well, I guess in the case of the Denimatrix, the self-proclaimed anti-hero, it was someone who's just a bit gross. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just happy to make everyone else bleed uh, and yeah. choke them out. I guess like a traditional anti-hero is somebody who is uh, thrust into the role of protagonist, normally despite wanting to be there i think it's it, i think usual anti-heroes normally have some sort of selfish motivations for their hero their heroics um and a, and a sort of laissez-faire attitude to uh law and the wider public um and that somehow makes you root for them because they're kind of cool i think stone called steve austin is a great example of the anti-hero because you know there wasn't a hell of a lot of I'm necessarily doing this for the fans. It was more, I just, I have this uh, problem with management that I don't like and I don't like authority figures. So I'm going to swear at everyone and break all the rules and that's going to make me a hero. Um, it definitely, like, I think they definitely became much more popular uh, more recently. Like mm. the, in much more recent history, anti-heroes sort of had that big resurgence, didn't they? Of like, you know, people people got annoyed at the the notion of like government oversight and all of these things so th this is when heroes who didn't conform became much more popular whereas before it was definitely like daring do and i'm doing it for my country etc yeah it's not like captain america is a hero the, mm -hmm. the punisher is an anti-hero because the punisher his method of justice is killing people which is yeah. wrong but you're also sort of rooting for him because he is going up against the bad guys, even though what he is doing is wrong. It's why the relationship between him and Daredevil has always been one of my favorite things in comics, because you've literally got a guy that represents law in, in Daredevil and sort of like doing the right thing. And the Punisher who wants to kill people. And, you know, the, the sort of like the conflict between the two of them. So, yeah, so I, I would I would always point to the Punisher as like my sort of my ideal person to point to and say that is what an anti-hero is. Uh, Dalton Sizemore, just curious about what you think of this idea. What if AEW did the Evolution Randy Orton storyline with Sammy Guevara and the Inner Circle? Tension is teased over time between Jericho and Sammy, and then finally, Sammy wins the AEW Championship. It's at this moment of celebration, out of jealousy, Jericho instructs the Inner Circle to turn on him. You could even have Sammy on Hager's shoulders when the turn happens. Just a thought. Hope you have a great day. Thank you, Dalton. Um, I mean, you certainly could do. I, I think you break out Sammy as that sort of the big baby face from that group. Group. I wouldn't do it the exact same way as the evolution term because that will just 
bring in the comparison of like, well, that's literally copy carbon. That's literally, yeah. And also the evolution turn wasn't wonderful for Randy Orton. Randy Orton's not a natural baby face. Uh, So... Well, they turned him heel like a couple of months later. Yeah, they they had turned turned baby face, uh, didn't get over, Triple H beat him a month later, and then by WrestleMania that year, he was already a heel again. So, Mm. uh, I mean, for for as good as that evolution moment was, they balls it up dramatically following mm. with, following it well I, yeah and I, that's the thing i kind of think i kind of think sammy Guevara suits being a heel more i don't know like mm. I, I get like i get he has a baby face uh <laughs> yeah. i actually i actually think some like, i think that might be a bit overbearing like flippy kid with cute face mm. is a face like i don't know i feel like flippy kid with cute face isn't is a knob jockey heel that's much better isn't that kid um, flips yeah, that's kid flip. <laughs> uh, my boy. Um, yeah, I could certainly see them doing because I think Sammy does have a baby face run in him. It's not, it's not like MJF or like The Miz, who I I consider to be forever heels. Even when like The Miz was a baby face last year, I was like, yeah, but you will be a heel again because you are a forever heel. Um, but I think that Sammy is one of those people that could work babyface, and I'd, I'd be interested to see that. Certainly between Sammy and Jericho, because mm. they've got that their sex gods, um, you know, companionship between them. I think that'd be really awesome. Simon Gange, now that the Good Brothers are released from WWE, is Anderson being killed in the Boneyard match officially kayfabe? Uh, considering how eager they seem to be returned to New Japan, I doubt WWE will want to Sarah Logan the situation with them, so they probably won't ever mention be mentioned on WWE TV again. Now, the last time we saw Anderson, he was on the roof that exploded. I'd love to hear your joke response to this. Much love to the Beardy Boys. I, I, yeah, I do genuinely think they'll just be like, he's dead. I mean, we've not even seen AJ, and AJ's still with the company, so... He's mourning. He's, he's buried, isn't he? Yeah, is that, well, that's exactly it, isn't it? He's buried. Anderson's dead. Like, Undertaker's taking names. <laughs> Maybe, like, yeah. What happened to their little Dark Order collective of lads they had in cloaks? Will, mm. we, ever, will we ever learn who they were? Did, uh, the shack didn't fall down, did it? No. No, the roof just exploded. Uh, fine, yeah. So they're all... I don't know where they went, actually. They just disappeared halfway through the match, like <laughs> phantoms. Exactly. Very strange match. <laughs> Mr. Mini Donuts. Uh, hello, everyone at Rust Talk. Thanks for putting out the most consistently consistent content. My question is if you could prevent one injury that stopped a wrestler's push, what would it be? I'm thinking either Finn Balor or the Revival. Uh, by the way, looking good, Andy. Hmm. Um, we, don't, we don't get to see him with his baldy head because he keeps wearing a hat. Mm, he's scared. <laughs> uh... So, yeah. I think Finn Balor is probably my one. Like, I think, I mean, talk about reaching the highest highs at this at such a quick rate uh, for for a little guy as well in WWE. I just think, yeah, that injury was so unfortunate. Um, yeah, and I would have it would have been so interesting to see what would have happened with that push. Because um, yeah, they I think they probably would have kept him as a babyface in much the same way they did for his whole run on um, the main roster, but. It would have been interesting to see if he was up higher up the card, if they would have uh, pushed the heel turn to happen. And, they have, you know, we could have got a joining up with the club, an actual Bala club kind of thing. Like, I think they, they would have had more faith to do more in the storyline with him had he not been injured that one time. Yeah. Uh, and while it certainly didn't prevent a push, uh, I am going to say uh, Champa getting injured after the initial turn on Gargano because, man, you want to talk about a cursed feud that mm. never really got to have the ending that it deserved. Like three times over, they tried to have that ending. And so 
yeah, I'd, I'd probably say Champa's initial injury, the one that sort of like snowballed and has kept sort of delaying the inevitable on this fuse. Mm. Uh, Isaiah Kennard, uh, hey, Rust Talk, uh, love you guys. Hope you're doing well on this fine day. It is actually quite a nice day, better than it was yesterday. It was pissing down with rain yesterday. Oh, I loved it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's, rain is the best thing at the moment because it's like, well, now there is no reason to go outside. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Suddenly, and suddenly my entire mindset changes. It's, you know, it's been a couple of times this week where I've got up thinking, like, oh, I'm going to go for a run today and then look outside and see it rain and be like, oh, no, well, I guess no. now I can't. Do you? <laughs> Um, if you had to get rid of one of the following storylines and feuds and matches, which would it be? McMahon versus Austin, Punk versus Cena, Cena versus Fiend, Champa versus Gargano. Thanks for all you do. Uh, I'm going to dive in initially on this one. I'm going to say Cena versus Fiend because mm. the builds to it was fine, apart from that early bump in the road with the Fiend randomly. Cena saying, I'm not having a match at Mania. And then the Fiend coming out and being like, but I've pointed. Cena being like, yeah. well, okay, I guess. Uh, and the match was great, but I'm not going to take Senior versus Fiend, Firefly Funhouse over everything between McMahon and Austin, the whole Money in the Bank 2011 or the Champa Gargano feud. Yeah, I think also because you could you could you could come back to Cena versus the Fiend. I think you could you could also easily have made uh, John Cena the big boss that the Fiend is after. You know, like that could have been the final match in that feud. Because I like, I feel like if if you're going through this hit list of people, who is on the who's the Who's the last one? Who's the one that's going to... It's Roman, obviously, but who's going to beat him? But, like, you know, mm. uh, and you want... I think Cena would have been the better one because Cena is the person who, um, I think, snowballed that downward slide for Bray Wyatt. So, yeah. Uh, I think I'd also take Fiend Cena as the one I didn't want. Uh, Kid has got a couple of questions. It's their first time on Patreon. What's your most underrated match in wrestling history? And what's your favourite match that wrestling fans don't like? Most underrated match in wrestling history. Oh, God. You're asking Laurie to remember things now. Yeah, just, my mind just goes, think of things you like. <laughs> yeah. Underrated match. It's tough. Leaving a lot of dead air now for the podcast listeners. Mm. So I've got to try and think out loud. I'm trying to think of what like an underrated match is because usually the matches that I like are the matches that everyone else likes. Um and like favorite match that wrestling fans don't like. Um, I mean, it depends on what wrestling fan that is because Shane I the Miz. Well, uh, yeah, but also there were people that that really liked that. I mean, yeah. there were some that didn't. But then you know, that's you, you're asking essentially that there is only one match that I liked and no one else did. And mm. you know, I could certainly say that I think a lot of Kenny Omega stuff that he did in DDT was very, very funny. But Jim Cornette would have a very different opinion on that. Well, yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah, what, what, who's your archetypical wrestling fan? Uh, is probably the answer. It probably is someone who, who likes Jim Cornette's way of thinking. It's got to yeah, be with Debbie. t shirt. So, so, I guess anything with Joey Ryan, uh, yeah. and Candice LeRae, <laughs> yeah, wearing their t shirts that say release the Snyder Cut. Yeah. Uh, Lorenzo Haynes, um, Luke, do you honestly think WrestleMania 26 is the worst of all time? I never thought it was bad until I listened to your review, and then I start to think, OMG, is it? It's the first WrestleMania I watched live, so I kind of have a special connection with it, but I feel like WrestleMania 27 is way worse than 26. Yeah, when I say that WrestleMania 26 is the worst of all time, I am being quite hyperbolic about that. Um, I just think I certainly think it's the blandest WrestleMania of all time because outside of that Michaels Undertaker match, it's quite a boring show. And even the Michaels Undertaker match from the year previous was better. Mm. And 
I just, I, 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 while I don't think it's the worst WrestleMania, I think it has the worst WrestleMania match of all time between Vince and Brett because that is the biggest opened goal a wrestling company has ever had into the history of this wonderful sport. And they missed it by, like, spectacularly missed it. Like, they balls that up with unbelievable results unbelievable like the fact that vince went into that match with the intention of turning himself babyface is just incredible in hindsight so yeah so while i don't think it's the worst i do think that's the worst match uh alex kirkman <laughs> do you guys think uh do you guys think that you can do a better job creating storylines for wwe than their current roster like seriously I have no experience in such things, but I'm quite creative and I can hand on heart 100% honestly say I believe I can do a better job creating storylines for WWE. Listening to your extra podcast just highlights that storylines currently are lackluster or non-existent. Also, why don't you guys do other extra podcast reviewing pay-per-views you actually want to watch that don't get picked? For example, Backlash 2000. If you love it, Luke, it won't get picked. Just do it. I guarantee the Swap Nation would be very appreciative. Anyway, mask up, stay home, keep your distance, and most importantly, rock and roll. It's from Kirky. Uh, so, uh, no, I don't think I could book better storylines uh, for mm. WWE. And even if I thought I could, that doesn't really matter because there's a voice at the top that could just say no. And yeah. that that that's really it. So it's less a case of can you book better storylines? It's can you convince Vince McMahon that you have got a better storyline and get him to like it? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the people they have there have pitched and have written and have worked on better storylines that haven't made TV. Mm -hmm. um, I, th I think that's the key. Is like I don't think I don't think I could do a better job. I just think that the people who are there to do that job should probably be allowed to do that job, and uh, a totalitarian. Pensioner shouldn't be the one turning around having the final say, maybe. I don't know. Uh, the biker Judah Sexton. Hello, Rest Talk Gang. I just watched the Triple H and Lemmy interview on the WWE Network. Just wondering, are you guys fans of Motorhead? Also, what's your favorite Triple H moment? Uh, I'll get that off the bat at the moment. I'm not a fan of Motorhead. Um, oh. My sister in law's boyfriend is a huge Motorhead fan, he's got like a Motorhead tattoo and everything. And we have had just several conversations where I've been like, yeah, I think they're fine. I think they're broadly fine. Ace of Spades is a great song. The song that's at the start of Mo uh, of Airheads, great song. But I don't, I can't listen to a full album of it. It's just, it's not for me, unfortunately. Well, the thing is, if you like Ace of Spades, you like all Motorhead songs. Because <laughs> they all they sound are, the same. <laughs> they are the exact. I, I did a, um, what was it called? It was called Victor, Victor Vlan or Victor Vran, uh, the game. Um, I did cut a bunch of trailers for that when it was coming out on the switch and they had a motorhead expansion um mm. in which like your van helsing character victor ran had to like go and meet lemmy and uh <laughs> and, and like you just walked it yeah like it was it was it was very very weird um but obviously we cut that trailer to all motorhead songs and yeah, yeah trust me they are all the same because when you're cutting <laughs> When you're cutting images on like the beats, like, yeah, you're like, okay, and yeah, I could copy and paste this to any of the tracks and it would be the exact same. <laughs> um, so favorite Triple H moment, um, it's his selling of the reveal of Cactus Jack in January of 2000 when Mankind comes out and says, I'm not ready to face you at the Royal Rumble. But I know a guy, and I think you. Know, I was like, but I think, and I think you know the guy. Takes off his jacket, takes off the master reveal, the Cactus Jack T-shirt. His name is Cactus Jack. Triple H's selling of that moment 
got over Cactus Jack to a huge degree and made you think there's no way Triple H is walking out of Royal Rumble as champion at Royal Rumble 2000. The guy is so, so good at making uh, at making that. I, I just love that moment. And yeah, so I think that is probably my favorite Triple H moment, which is technically it's a, a mankind moment. Well, that, but that's the thing. I think all Triple H, all, I think Triple H's best moments are usually putting someone else over and doing doing something for someone else. And it's usually because he's so, I think he, despite having dropped the uh, aristocrat gimmick, he's still got that sort of pompous air to him. Um, and I think that makes, that does make it really work when someone gets better. I was watching a clip yesterday because uh, you'll find out. But uh, it's when Tajiri, uh, uh, he's taunting Tajiri and Tajiri just pops up and mists him in the face. And Triple H's selling of taking the mist is really, really good. I just, I think he he he's not underrated, but he's definitely uh, probably has done a lot of work to put people over despite yeah. the reign of terror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the awful 2006 DX run, which was just like, I know we've got some viewers who were kids when they watched it and thought it was funny, but... Guys, rewatch it. It's not. It's very, very bad. Um, Highland Abe, I hope you've got the document open in front of you, Laurie, because there's a picture in here for you to have a look at. But Highland Abe, uh, question for Luke and his pop culture bias. Can you settle an argument for me? My wife thinks that the name of our new puppy is too dark. I've decided to call her Megatron, or for my wife's benefit, Meg. Do you think this is suitable? Love the work you guys do with the laughter you bring to these trying times. Lots of love from Highland Abe, the shores of Loch Ness. Pick, uh, P.S. Pixar, it didn't happen. Here's Megatron. And there's a picture on the next page Aww. of the little puppy. This is a very cute puppy. I think Megatron's a fine name. Do you know what? Me and my wife have talked about if we ever do get a pet, be that a cat or a dog, we would call it Megatron. That's mm. like no joke. And I think it was a cat in particular because my wife said, I can just shorten it to Meg. So and it will just, go. there you go. So it absolutely works. Uh, Flaming Live with Money in the Bank coming up. Fancy book the perfect six man or woman Money in the Bank match with stars from all wrestling companies. Uh, their pick is Jeff Hardy, Rey Mysterio, Kenny Omega, Joe, Joe Hendry, Will Ospreay, and Kota Ibushi. Ooh. Was it men or women? Men or women. Mm. Let's do a women's one. Hmm, uh, yeah. Let's have. So, uh, have I'm going to want Io Shirai in there, Kyrie Sane. Charlotte Flair. Yeah, and if I'm having Charlotte Flair in there, I want Session Moth Martina, just so you can have, <laughs> just for the bants. And, uh, and her bants on Charlotte Flair would be so funny. Um, so, yeah, so Session Moth in there. Hmm. Who else are we going to put? Hmm. Sue Young. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. I think, I think Sue Young is quite a disruptive presence. Yeah. Yeah. Sue Young. Rosemary is another good shout for that as well, actually. Hmm. Um, and someone else. Who's going to be our sixth person? Who's going to be our sixth entrance? Uh, B Priestley would be great. Yeah. I think B Priestley. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go with B. Um, Notorious Ali Atta. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you for the great videos you guys have been posting. Really gets me through some unbearable days during this quarantine. My favorite is Quizzlemania on Parts Fernone. I look forward to it every day. I've been watching wrestling since I was five, and because I live in Pakistan, we only got WWE on our TVs before wrestling became available online. 
I personally think WWE still only cares about the younger audience because to me, John Cena was a hero when I was young, around the age of 5 to 14. I'm 22 now and know more about the ins and outs of wrestling and the backstage pushes that these guys get, so I was not a fan of Roman for these reasons. But I asked myself, what if I was the same age when I loved John Cena and my stance on Roman would be different? Do you think that WWE only care about the pre-pubescent or early adolescent audience only, and that is why they continue to build storylines around these hunky, meaty wrestlers? Because no matter how much I know about wrestling, I will never not like John Cena, and I think that's the case with a lot of kids who grew up and figure out wrestling actually works, because Roman will always be their hero. They will likely never hate him, uh, and when they become part of the 18-49 to 49 demo, they will still be watching the likes of Roman Reigns, and ratings will rise. Really sorry for the long question. This is my first ever mailbag. Keep up the good work i mean you're bang on the banana as adam would say that's what wwe like that's what the pg era was about it was that switch from appealing to teenagers to appealing to kids because i was talking to i think it was ollie i was talking to about this quite recently um it's why they always say the driving instructors is the greatest job in the world because there will always be teenagers that need to learn how to drive Mm -hmm. uh you will you will never not have a customer base being a driving instructor unless of course cars become obsolete um so and i think that was what wwe's mindset was their teenage audience that they had during the attitude era they're sort of like that adolescent audience grew up and stopped watching so you just go back to kids you go back to what you built your brand on back in the 80s and the 90s and you just appeal to that audience then because even if they grow up there's going to be kids coming through that you can just appeal to it over again and I remember being at a WWE show, guys, be three years ago now, I think, can't remember when it was. Roman came out and Roman was heavily booed by the UK audience. But sat in front of me, just to the, you know, to the edge of the row, was a kid about five, six years old, dressed head to toe in Roman Reigns cosplay, who was ecstatic to see Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and that's that's why he's the guy. That's why they're pushing him because he is a hero to these kids. So yeah, I mean, that, yeah. So I think WWE will always kind of be in that mindset because it's what they built the company on way back when. You know, and it's one of those things. It's like you know, uh, uh, not to take anything away from the New Day, for instance. Like the reason the New Day are a constant feature on WWE programming is because they sell a lot of merch to kids. Kids yeah. bloody love the New Day. Like, and obviously the New Day are great, and I think they have a cross generational appeal, but. You know, I think the, the probably the biggest thing for their kind of perennial tag team triumph is that, yeah, kids bloody love the New Day. Yeah. Uh, James J. Dillon, uh, first of all, thank you for uh, a suggestion on Adam's uh, booking video about Roman Reigns. I've passed that on to him. But he's also got another question, which is, last week I made a decision to cancel my WWE Network subscription. It was time. I only used it for NXT, and that lost a bit of shine since it went live on USA. My main source of wrestling is here. I'm a proud Pledge Hammer, loyal YouTube and podcast subscriber, and all-round fan of the channel. Parts of Unknown is a blast, and that is included in my daily viewing slash listening pleasure. With that, today, I've invested that $9.99 into WrestleTalk to become a $25 backer. Hope oh, it helps. Hope much. I don't get laid off. Hope my wife doesn't ask what I've been spending my money on. Keep up being consistent, guys. Uh, thank you so, thank so you much. so much. Really, really appreciate that. I mean, James has been with us for a long time on uh, on the old pledge hammer, so that's a, it's really, really appreciate. It. Thanks so much. That, that really made my morning uh, reading that. Uh, Owen uh, says, Luke, I just listened to the April twenty seventh Monday Night Raw review, and I have to ask, do you want to see the world burn? 
Your prediction are always the darkest timeline. Goldberg winning the title, Goldberg beating Braun, thank God that didn't happen, and now Jinder winning Money in the Bank and cashing in on Drew. I really love you, Luke, but your predictions give me chills in a bad way, and I really wonder if you just want to see the world burn. Um, I think my joke on Jinder was that I think you could have him cash in, but not successfully. Yeah. But I think like Jinder winning the the Money in the Bank and going after Drew is going to make fans think Jinder's going to win again. But Drew could certainly overcome those odds. And if you did that in front of fans, I think that'd be amazing. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you could then spin that out into a very brief feud that lasts, you know, till the next pay-per-view cycle. And you've got a little bit of history to play on there. Uh, I think there's there's stuff there's stuff in that story that they, yeah. they would they would like. Um he's a good filler feud. Yeah, I think I I I I think they also quite like people who aren't very popular winning money in the bank. So, you know, that's I think yeah. it's a great way to cement gender. Like I think again, like um I think the argument being made about like Baron Corbin being one of the only pure heels in wrestling anymore because he's actually someone that people just don't want to see win. Um and I think that, you know, I think otherwise most heels in WWE people actually do want to see them win quite often. Um, I think Jinder, we could lump him with Baron Corbin there. And I think him winning money in the bank would be uh, the <laughs> perfect way to cement him as like one of the top heels in the company. Uh, Jonathan Hedman said, hello, guys. Hope you're doing well. I'd like to offer this classic Sam Raimi film for your possible enjoyment. And he's linked to it because it's free on YouTube. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a film called Crime Wave. It's one of my favorite films because of the it's uh, so camp and has Bruce Campbell in it. Of course it does. It's a Sam Raimi movie. Uh, I think you'd also enjoy it. What uh, are your other once in a blue moon films or TV shows that you've decided to watch while in quarantine? Uh, I have actually not watched a lot while in quarantine um i mean we are the pair of us are quite lucky in the sense that we're both still working and in a sense i'm working more now than i was five weeks ago um uh, and between that and playing DD and doing my own podcast outside of work hours and quizzle mania on wednesday nights um my wife and i like you know we're watching we watch master chef and great british menu but we haven't like dived into a new show like we started to watch the purge tv series and we've watched like the first sort of four or five episodes of that but that's about it like we uh, we haven't had like time to really dive into something yet i've been watching a lot of new stuff i've not gone back and watched anything old uh that old that i have watched before um what did i watch the other night this is my brain's fried it just doesn't work <laughs> it's just can't remember. i can't remember anything um yeah i can't remember i watched i watched something on disney plus i don't know i can't remember what it was yeah um we did the actually watch maybe i don't know <laughs> we did watch the uh the first phase of the mcu with the intention of like doing more of it and then as it turns out i own uh iron man 3 on blu-ray but actually i only have a case the disc is not there it's just oh. disappeared in some move or something or other i only have the case for iron man 3 on blu-ray i don't have disney plus and it's not on any other streaming service and i'm not bloody paying for it uh, to rent <sighs> it so that's really just halted our mcu rewatch get disney plus is so good uh dylan from cork uh happy friday guys i'm paying 80 quid a month for virgin mate i need to get rid of that first uh dylan from cork happy friday guys um i've never been one for american football but i gave the xfl a go after its relaunch it was okay i just didn't connect with the sport like i do wrestling or for association football soccer for our north american friends however it did get me thinking 
If the XFL had been a success on either of its two stints, do you think Vince would have tried to uh, tried to rival other sporting markets such as the NHL, MLB, or even MLS to make American alternative to the Premier League? I'm writing this hours before Quizlemania, so I'd just like to congratulate Luke on his hypothetical victory. And if you don't win, don't worry, you're still my favorite. Well, thanks, Dylan. I did not win. I came third. I won out of the Wrestle Talk team. That's the uh, the way I'm. That's looking. a really that's, really, that's a low bar. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess maybe like Vince would have. I, th- I feel like he he loves he loves a monopoly, doesn't he? Um, so. <laughs> I guess he probably would have started his own rival promotions, but it's kind of, I think it's kind of better that maybe he hasn't achieved that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Iraqli, who has more drop storylines, WWE or WrestleTalk? Um, well, it's WWE. They've got a longer tenure. Mm. Like they, you know, they dropped more storylines in last year than we have over the four years that we've been doing this. And even and we've dropped. We dropped? Um, what storyline? Joe Hendry. Um, oh, yeah. uh, what's your man? Um, the dancing guy, what was his name? Apicary. Is it Keith Apicary? Yeah, things like that. Um, storylines. <laughs> uh, you guys say that Cody puts over opponents in defeat, but I don't buy it. He's only lost twice in singles matches in AEW, both of them not clean losses in one year. When someone says uh, put over talent, I think that means they go on to do better things after the feud. But look at Spears, Sabian, Havoc, Butcher, Blade, or all on the lower to mid card wrestlers. Darby's one that got over, but he again uh, had to lose to, uh, you guessed it, Cody. Do you think AEW is uh, booking Cody very strongly and hence people may turn on him? Just a reminder, Brandy was the only one to have a storyline in the women's division, similar to some other company, some other couple in some other company. Please bring back Screen Stalker. I loved hearing Laurie talk about 2K last week and see Simon on Twitter. Um, I mean, I'm going to, on the first point, yet Darby is over because he lost to Cody. Like it was because of that, like the draw at Fighter Fest and that made him a star. Same with Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara lost to Cody on the first episode of Dynamite and became a bigger star because of it. That is what putting over in defeat means. That doesn't work for every single person, but Cody's attempt when he does have his losses is to try and put the other person over, even when he does beat them. So yeah, I think Cody does try and put over his opponents mm-hmm. in defeat, and I think he's very, very good at it. There are only so many spaces at the top. Um, yeah, exactly. Not everyone top, can be a but, top. Yeah, it's a, it's a pyramid, not a... a plateau i guess is yeah. that yeah you know as you get up here there's a champion and then there's some number one contenders and you come down and down and down so i think yeah cody's made a lot of people look very strong in defeat um but you also you know like they they aren't necessarily pushing everyone i you know you could have you could have imagined a world in aw where the elite were just the elite and they just held all the belts and they just had complete control. They were in all the main event matches. And that is kind of what people want to see, really, from AEW. I think still, people still just like, I just want Kenny Omega to be champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we can just, and Cody can be the TNA champion. Uh, so TNT. TNT, TNT <laughs> yeah. champion, yeah. Uh, he could be a TNA champion as well, I guess. We've got, we've brought that back now. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I think we could, it's that sort of. Um, people are still clamoring for them to be in complete control. So I think actually they've shown quite a lot of reserve, keeping Cody rotating around the spotlight, but uh, not necessarily the center star. But they need to have someone still prime to, if they ever need to just go like, here's a guy. Yeah. Cody's like, the right, I think Cody's the right choice. And Derby getting that eventual win over Cody is going to mean so much more because mm-hmm. of the draw in two previous losses. 
Like it's, mm-hmm. it's just going to be absolutely massive for him. Um, I also enjoyed hearing you talk about 2K last week, mate. Uh, and Simon's video that he posted up on Twitter was great. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Even if I did disagree with him slightly, I want an arcade game, Simon. I think people, yeah, people want an arcade. I want an arcade game. I just don't want that one. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah, I don't want that yeah, arcade no, game. Not that one. <laughs> Job at JJ. Hello, SWAF Nation and WrestleTalk's incredible crew. After watching the excellent uh, three-part series of The Fiend by Laurie, go check it out on Parts Fun Known if you haven't yet. Please watch question... the third one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In particular, watch the third one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My question is: uh, Should the Fiend have tapped cinematic mass? Should have taped cinematic matches going forward? Can a wrestler who has a gimmick that, in its own rest, well. Sorry, in its own world, wrestles in his own world. Have a super safe day. Uh, I think you can do a mix. I don't think it necessarily has to happen. I think in in certain situations where there's a lot of history between The Fiend and people, I think it's very worth doing. I think, you know, the John Cena one was really clever, I think, just because it was such a takedown of the character. Um, But I I also don't think, like you'll get that same level of depth with uh, even just Braun Strowman. I don't think there's there's enough about Braun Strowman outside of the, the relationship with Bray to make a whole match of like that same level of like, this is like 10 vignettes strung together that tell yeah. a story about me and a story about you and our relationship and how we kind of have parallel careers that are, they, they, they diverged and went off in different directions because of one match that we had. Um, I don't. I don't think anything else for the theme actually means as much mm-hmm. as the John Cena one. As I was saying yeah. earlier, I think John Cena probably should have been the big boss. I don't think anything meant as much here. But I think you could definitely do a cinematic match with Braun Strowman, and it could be more, more of a horror film. But I think also there, there was this. You know, I think like I, they make the argument in the theme videos that um, the, the the matches themselves were trying to be a horror film, sort of strung together over the course of a few matches. And that's why the Seth Rollins one didn't work because it was too late in the film. Um, so I think there's definitely room for just having more regular matches that have a more stylized uh, ebb and flow to them that aren't just so much of a wrestling match. Mm. Like the Finn Balor one was definitely just a stalk and slash scene, right? So oh, yeah. Like, murder, and I think, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so I think something like that where it's like, this is a squash match, but being told as like a horror film. Um if you re- if you reframe the way that you book the match, you can do the same sort of storytelling that you did in the Firefly Funhouse match, just in the match. Yeah, um, Abraham, uh, I was wondering how you guys feel about having Otis Dozovich win Money in the Bank and cash in on Bray Wyatt. I think it could work if Otis got a little more serious with his moveset, but keep the caterpillar. The problem is every time that there isn't a babyface who's big enough to beat the fiend with a few tweaks to Otis' character, I think it may work. We've had a couple of people suggest that Otis could be like the next mankind, but I don't know if I like I don't know if Otis is the next mankind, but I do think he's the next Scotty too hotty. And that's not a slight on Scotty. That's just that he is someone who is at the right position on the card for his character and is beloved by fans and is, you know, out there mm-hmm. to get that great pop from the crowd when we have crowds again. And I don't think that's terrible for him. No, I think that I think they're going to build up to uh, the they're going to build up to heavy machinery likely for the tag titles at some point, right? Like that's I think that's going to be the big win that Otis gets because I feel like at the moment with Otis's character, if he won money in the bank, he's going to assume that there's money in it and he's going to use it to try and take Mandy Rose out on a date. Like I, I 
I, I don't think him versus the Fiend is a particularly compelling match, mm. um, especially because I don't think it fits the, the Fiend's gimmick either. No, I agree. Um, but I do think that putting Otis in Money in the Bank is a really great shout because he has got that fan swell behind him, mm-hmm. um, but not winning it. You know, just having that almost moment, but never quite getting it. Lorenzo Hayes, uh, Quizzlemania is awesome. I just binge watched every episode and laughed my ass off and had a great time. I don't get slash, li- uh, slash like the Titus joke, though. Yeah, we sort of said in this one that we're trying to put that to rest. It was one super chat that made us laugh and it has snowballed into becoming this running gag. Titus is a nice guy and yeah. and being affectionate towards your son is not a bad thing it was no, just it's, it, it's, it's an internet meme uh two questions number one uh how who came up with the great idea of Quizlemania? two uh i can't get some of the older pay-per-view podcasts on patreon to play for example i tried to get the wrestlemania 20 podcast and it just uh was loading forever and never played any advice on how i can get it to play i depends on if you're trying to use the patreon podcast or the, the patreon app trying to listen to it through patreon or if you're using the rss feed either way it's a question for patreon i'm afraid because we haven't had any other complaints about that show in particular so just let me know uh, email me uh, or email pete because pete's in charge of it pete at wrestletalk.com uh, and he can look into that for you um with Quizlemania, i think it was ollie's idea wasn't it was to do a quiz, quiz. show mm-hmm. was basically just to do a you know, people are bored at home. Let's do a quiz show live on on parts of unknown, and then it be, did quite well. So the decision was made. Well, let's just do more of them then. And now mm-hmm. it snowballed into where it is now, and I love it. It's a podcast. Download it. Um, Marcel Jura. Hey guys, uh, just an observation. I can't stand watching wrestling at the moment. I can't endure a full current show, and I wondered why. And now I think I know the answer. Seeing an empty arena is way too depressive for me. Uh, The whole Steve Carino situation doesn't affect me that much for the most part. I usually work from home and it feels like a uh, health system over here does a great job. It's from Germany. Uh, But when I watch wrestling in an empty, dim lit arena, it's like I get reminded that many people are not so lucky and the situation is grim indeed. It hurts. It's depressing. So I'm happy that you guys are watching wrestling because if it wasn't for your podcast, I wouldn't know what's going on. Hope you don't find it uh, too depressing as I do. What's your take on this? Thank you and keep safe. Oh, and don't forget, Drew is a jerk who killed someone's pet and Titus O'Neil kissed his son on the lips. Um, Titus is a nice guy. So, um, yeah, I... on the lips, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, like it's it is a, a grim situation. I haven't had it's it's do you know what's funny though is that I've had so many friends text me being like, Man, you must be like you must be out of work at the moment because there's no wrestling on. And then I have to text them back being like, Oh no, like and like unlike any other sport in the world, wrestling is still going ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they go, What do you mean? Like a friend of mine texted me yesterday, is like, how do you do a social distancing choke slam? Like, and I was like, I know it's they're just carrying on as normal, mate. There's just no fans in arena. Um, so yeah, it's just a very, very bizarre. It's a bizarre time that we're living in. But even bizarre that wrestling is just carrying on as normal. It's oh, an essential service. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Um, and lastly, Frank says, if you could place a current style or tag team in a different era of wrestling, which one would you choose, and what era would you put them in? Love from El Paso, Frank. P.S. Putting Drew in pre and post Steve Carino does not count. Uh, I have got a, I've got an answer for this one. Do you have an answer for this? Uh, the revival. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's send them back. Let's send them to the territories. <laughs> I am going to 
get a load of uh, good women wrestlers that did not get a fair shake of the stick because they were in an era where they were not treated seriously. I'm thinking people like Ivory. I'm thinking people like, uh, you know, to a degree, China. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Lita, Trish Stratus, um, Beth Phoenix. Uh, there's a quite a few, I mean, even Michelle McCool. There's quite a few of these, like these these wrestlers who were really, really good, but unfortunately, were in an, in times when they were either there to be tits and ass, <sighs> yeah, or there to be piss breaks, and they probably deserve way better. Particularly Ivory. Like Ivory mm-hmm. was great. She was such a good character, such a great like in ring. Like she was really, really good at what she did in the ring as well her in the modern day would be absolutely fantastic. Molly Holly's another one mm. that I would like to see that sort of their prime era from the attitude era and move them into the current day so they can just be great characters. Uh, that's really good. So since we've been in this Steve Carino lockdown, um, obviously we see each other every day regardless mm-hmm. because you know we work together. But we also see each other on a Friday evening because our friends get together to do a weekly quiz. And the weekly quiz has been quite standard question-answer stuff. Uh, when my wife and I hosted, we did a couple of games, but predominantly it's been question-and-answer stuff. Um, you weren't there for last week's one, but we got to do some origami uh, for a little bit, which was fun. That was done by Gemma and Tim. But this week, this week it's very different. This week is a Taskmaster-themed quiz. And we have been set tasks by our taskmasters, one of which was to create a 60-second film or, you know, recreate a 60-second movie scene using only the stuff that is in our house. How have you found that? I mean, I didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We already did. We did a bunch of of film things for a quiz that um, my missus ran the other week, so we'd already filmed a bunch of film scenes, so I just sent one of those. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, it's not very good. I didn't want quiz homework. Uh, I've got quiz. I've got quiz burnout. I'm sorry. I don't like. Not to be a Grinch about it. I am the quiz Grinch. I don't care. Uh, yeah. I don't, don't be too lonely. The I've, quiz police will come after you. I, well, that's it, isn't it? There's quiz police. I'm the quiz Grinch. Whatever. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my wife and I um, did. So, like, we filmed ours just before Quizlemania on Wednesday, and we're we're pretty proud of it. My wife worked quite hard on the the costume that she created, um, and we've also got the task of to put the most surprising thing under a mug to be revealed mm-hmm. when the the quiz starts, um, which we spent probably far too long on last night as well. Um, so I'll be honest, I know you're you're quiz Grinch and all this, but I am dead excited. Good. <laughs> uh, have you got much else on for the weekend uh i'm gonna play some pokemon with my brother see if i, I beat him for the first time ever last weekend so that's the highlight of my life uh and yeah so i'm gonna play some pokemon with him uh on saturday and then nothing really like yeah just a bit of r and r oh lovely a bit of r and r yeah well, I guess it's uh, it's all all we can do is R and R at the moment, so that's it, isn't it? Yeah, um, we're going to try and get together with some people and see if we can do uh, virtual one night ultimate werewolf because I found an online version of it that you can just do through your phones. So nice. Going to try and do that. Also, I think I've got a version of Resistance, so going to try and see if that works as well. Mm, that's fun. 
yeah um but let's get out of here because we have got quite a lot of stuff to still film before uh, our morning call at 11 a.m so we're gonna have to cut this podcast short i am afraid but thank you so so much for listening please give this a rating and review if uh you're still here and still listening at this point it's really appreciated also subscribe to our other podcast stuff that we're doing because we know rolls bard has got a new episode going out this sunday it's a one-shot episode which we're really really proud of and really happy with it was a Oh, it was a long record. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Long old record, but yeah. But it was very, very fun nonetheless. So go and check that out. Quizzlemania's uh, uh, fifth episode dropped uh, yesterday as well with Sean Ross Sapp and Alex, Queen of the Ring. Really, really fun episode this week. So go and give that a subscribe to. Subscribe to the WrestleTalk Podcast Network. Um, And thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with Pete and Andy doing the SmackDown review. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.